And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Tales of the Red Panda, The Pyramid of Peril, by Greg Taylor. Read by Greg Taylor and Clarissa de Nederlanden. Chapter 1 The desert air hung heavy with scent as the man pushed his way through the crowd at the bazaar. The marketplace was teeming, but he seemed to be the only white man in it, though that was hardly what made him stand out the most. The man plowed his way through the masses, mostly watching behind him as if struggling to glimpse some hidden terror. Indignant shouts followed him, betraying his path, though they quickly died off as the natives dismissed him as just another boorish foreigner. In a small space between two quiet stands, the man paused and threw himself against the wall, breathing hard. His face looked like it had absorbed several blows, and recently. His hair was white and flowing beneath his Panama hat, and a small white beard, well trimmed, somehow gave the impression of standing in for a much longer one that should have graced his chin. He felt the corner of his mouth, searching for blood and finding none. The man scanned his surroundings, his reason returning to him, struggling for any sort of plan. Escape could not have been that simple, that much was certain. They would be upon him soon, and he was powerless to resist them. Or was he? He looked down at his forearms and pulled up the sleeves of his jacket. Each wrist was bound by a copper-colored band about six inches long. He pulled at them in what he knew to be a futile gesture. The locks would have been child's play, were it not for the power of the bands themselves. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath to calm himself. Resquilium barathat meticost, he said quietly under his breath. Glowing tendrils of otherworldly power began to coalesce around the man's fingers, reaching out toward the bands that bound his wrists. But suddenly the arm bands themselves began to glow from an unseen power within, and a small, discordant note was heard as if a bell had been rung many miles away. The man's face contorted in agony as the power of the bands cut into him, burning him with a fire like the sun itself, though as their glow subsided no mark was left upon their captive. The man glanced around once again, still panting, his face now a mask of desperation. He was an older man, older indeed than anyone would have guessed. He had run this race for many years, and for all those years danger had been his constant companion. For this was Maxwell Falcone, who in another time, another life, had fought injustice in the world of men as the stranger, the master of magic. His power had been known throughout the world. Men of evil had quaked in fear of it. But now it was gone. Blocked by these devil bands he had been shackled with by his enemies. They would be closing in by now. The chaos of the market was his only protection. It seemed, upon reflection, like a damned fool way for it all to end. Once he had thought to step out of the never-ending battle, to retire into the shadows and leave the fight to younger men. A nice thought, and had he walked away a few years earlier it might have stuck. He might have been quietly forgotten. But there was a great darkness on the horizon, and when the call had come he had not resisted. There was a tide in the affairs of men, after all, and perhaps the dark times he foresaw on the horizon might yet be forestalled, or even prevented. That had seemed like enough reason to get back in the game. The thought of those dark times now steeled his resolve. 
His enemies had won every round, but the fight was not yet over. It could not be over. There was too much at risk. Falcone dived back into the crowd, moving quickly still but calmer. He pulled off his dark jacket and the hat upon his head and made for a stall selling the long cotton robes favored by the Egyptians. Holding up his jacket, Falcone made his meaning clear. The stallholder grinned at the trade, recognizing the value of what he was offered, but motioned that he wanted the hat as well. Falcone handed it over and the trade was complete. Falcone pulled the robe over his head on the spot, over his western pants and shirt, and the man at the stall could only shake his head. These foreigners, his grin seemed to say. Falcone blended back into the crowd. There were hundreds of people at the bazaar. If he could just blend in for a few more minutes, slip away into the labyrinth of alleys and small streets in the poor district to the north, if he could just fight another day, he might yet find a way to win. He heard a great commotion behind him and drew himself into another gap between the stalls. A long black car had forced its way into the marketplace, parting the crowd before it slowly. At last the limousine came to a halt and the crowd surged toward it. The doors opened and the merchants pressed in hard, each shouting the value of their wares to the rich foreigners who must surely be inside. There was a murmur of surprise as four passengers stepped out, each a tall Egyptian man dark-suited and wearing a fez. They pushed their way through the crowd, keeping their hands near the opening of their coats, ready to reach for the pistols that bulged underneath. The men were tracking a dangerous quarry and were too close to lose him now. They ignored the roars of the marketplace, but the excitement of the crowd seemed to feed upon their energy, and the merchants became still more determined. Children began to climb upon the long black car. From somewhere nearby a voice rang out in a high, lilting song, and the whole day took on the air of freakish holiday. At last the car doors opened once again, and another man stepped out into the throng. He was slightly olive-skinned himself, though clearly a westerner, and he wore an immaculate white linen suit. He hollered indignantly in the native tongue, but no one listened to him. Here was the rich man who drove his limousine into their marketplace. The frenzy grew wilder. The man shouted abuse at the crowd, first in Arabic, soon in his native Greek, in which his obscenities seemed far more proficient. Still the crowd pressed in. The first wave of merchants reinforced by those who wished to see such an expensive car up close, and still more who simply wondered what the fuss was about. The man in the white linen suit had at least pulled the focus from his men, who spread out into the crowd. Maxwell Falcone resisted the urge to run. In the press of this crowd he would only draw attention to himself, and he could never get far enough away in time. The men who followed him would think nothing of firing into a crowd of innocents, and Falcone could not count on even a simple spell to help them miss. A simple spell. The words seemed to ring in Falcone's mind. He shrank down to the ground, huddled as if sleeping or begging, or... Could it really be that simple? The men in the fezzes were spreading out, but getting further from one another as they did so. Even a small marketplace like this was a tremendous amount of territory for a handful of men, but Falcone knew they would soon be upon him if he did not try something. He looked at the bands again. They were crafted to use the power of their wearer against himself, to absorb and contain the strongest of magics, and use the harnessed energy of those spells to punish the captive for his struggles. The more one railed against them, the more unbreakable the spell that bound him became. But if he could summon a small, simple spell, the sort of low-grade magic taught to very young initiates, if he could take the expectations of his pursuers and misdirect them, it was certainly worth a try. 
Falcone sat and began to mutter words he had not spoken for more years than he could imagine. A simple spell of concealment. A child's spell. But with all the chaos around him, it just might be enough. The copper bands around his wrists seemed to vibrate, but they did not glow or burn. A man in a fez passed by within a dozen feet, and though he paused and sniffed the air like a jackal with a scent, he did not stop or pull his weapon. Falcone continued to mutter quietly. The man in the white linen suit had given up shouting at the crowd, but if he thought this would quiet them he was mistaken. His men began reporting back, having found nothing. They struggled to be heard over the crowd, but the message was the same. Falcone was not to be found. All at once another man stepped out of the car. He was pale-skinned and wore a dark suit, and he was clearly unaccustomed to the heat. The crowd began to leap forward at the sight of him, but he glared at them and curled his lip. Every one of them fell silent and took three steps back, even those who could not see the hideous expression of contempt upon his face. The hush was sudden and shocking, and spread like a ripple throughout the marketplace. A cold chill seemed to follow it, and many shuddered for a moment, as if touched for just an instant by an unseen horror. The effect was momentary, and then it was gone, but those closest to its point of origin moved away from the long black car quickly and quietly. Only the car's original occupants remained. "'Subtle, as always, Thatcher,' the man in the white linen suit said. The pale man snorted. "'We have other concerns,' he growled. "'What news?' The man nearest to Thatcher inclined his head slightly. "'Apologies, Effendi,' he said gravely. "'The dog has escaped us.' Thatcher scanned the throng once more. "'Look again,' he said. "'If the captain says that he is gone,' the man in the linen suit protested, "'then he is gone. "'We have men at his hotel. "'He won't go back there. "'But we might be able to intercept him if he breaks for the consulate.' Thatcher shook his head. "'He will not run, Pavley,' he said. "'Not Falcone.' "'He has run,' Pavley protested, mopping his brow with a handkerchief. "'He had no choice. "'The bands made certain of that.' "'You have a great deal of confidence in your toys, Eris,' Thatcher said with a cold smile, "'almost as much as you do in the captain and his men. "'Neither is a sentiment that I share.' Pavley's eyes narrowed slightly at the challenge. "'The limiters are proven, Thatcher,' he said with a smile. "'Let us hope that you never have cause to investigate their power more closely.' Thatcher nodded just once, turning his eyes back to the crowded marketplace as he did so. "'Let us hope so indeed, my dear Pavley,' he said gravely. "'For your sake.' The man in black kept his gaze upon the crowd, and every man and woman that it landed upon felt the cold chill of the predatory stare. "'He is here,' Thatcher said at last. "'I can almost smell him.' The captain of the guard glanced to his master. Pavley shook his head, and the man stepped back. Pavley reached out and placed his hand upon Thatcher's shoulder. The pale man did not recoil at the touch, but it was clearly a sensation with which he was unfamiliar. "'Come, Leonard,' Pavley said calmly. "'Maxwell Falcone is not the only key to our search. "'Nor is he now in any position to stand between us and our goal. "'He is powerless and out of his element. "'Let him be.' "'Thatcher shook his head. "'He was ahead of us, Pavley. "'We can only guess how far. "'He may know much if properly motivated.' This is not a race that we can afford to lose. As he spoke, Thatcher rolled his neck like a great cat stretching as if preparing himself for an exertion to come. 
Let it go, Thatcher, Pavley said gravely and calmly, but with the air of a man accustomed to having his instructions obeyed. Thatcher smiled. Not just yet, he purred, and pulled up a pair of goggles that had been hanging loose around his neck. Pavley watched as Thatcher extended his arms to either side and could see the glowing wisps of dark light around the fingertips of the man in black. He shouted instructions to his men in Arabic, and they hurried close to their master. Pavley grasped an amulet around his neck and muttered an incantation of his own as Thatcher's power reached into the air and began to swirl around the limousine. Stallholders nearby began to shout in fear as the tendrils of dark magic resolved themselves into a hot desert wind, whipping around like a dust devil. Women called for their children, merchants struggled vainly to protect their wares, and the contented murmur of the busy marketplace transformed into a chorus of terror as the wind grew stronger and stronger. Searing heat and cutting sand whipped around the car, tore through the bazaar, and scattered the innocent men and women before the fury of the sandstorm. From within the protective dome cast by Pavley, the captain of the guard looked on in wonder, not just at the devastation around him, but at the exultation on the face of the man in black. If his master was a devil, and the captain had served him long enough to believe that he was, then this man Thatcher was something still darker and far more dangerous. Thatcher threw back his head and roared with cruel laughter as his power tore the marketplace apart, laughter that threatened to drown out everything, including the terrible howling of the desert wind. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end-of-the-week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy, or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of effort. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.